it is is trial it's and error you're trying to think about yeah yeah it's trial and error like once i figured that part out that it's like it's never like a final thing like then anytime there's a there's a new hurdle in front of you instead of just being overwhelmed with anxiety of can i get over this yes it's just like oh yeah of course of course well, you've been here before you can figure this out like how do we how do you solve it versus or how do you get around that versus you know this is a complete wall in your way Welcome to another episode of Ad Blocking with Jason Duane Smith. The world around us is, well, different. We're living in a time to test all of our boundaries and beliefs. It's not always easy. And sometimes, talking about ads is the last thing any of us want to do. Ad Blocking is a podcast, a safe space where real people Real marketers talk about everything but advertising. Stories of growing up, coming out, falling down, and looking in. Underneath it all, we're all just humans. In today's episode, I speak with, (laughs) where do I begin? A fair and honest human, co-founder of SocialVibe, or as some of us may know it, TrueX former EVP of Strategy and Operations of Fox Network Group, and currently CEO of OpenAP. As I wind down my first season of ad blocking, Dave and I discuss our shared vision for closing the access gap in our world. Ideals on trial and error, imperfection, embracing hard moments in life, and our mutual love for co-classic Halt and catch fire. Dave is a renaissance man that, like me, loves life and our contributions more than a fancy titles, meaning respect on paper. I couldn't be more grateful for his time. And with that, let's dive in. working within an ad agency and I was certainly fulfilled. And then I left that and I went to work for a small startup. And then now I'm back (laughs) in the maze of the agency world again, and I'm super thrilled about it too. And, but more importantly, my family's doing well, dude. I'm pretty pumped about it. It's all that matters, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's all good. So let's just start with one, like, how are you doing? Just broadly speaking, like, how are you feeling? How are you doing? Tell me, uh, tell me. Yeah. Um, I feel actually, I feel great today. Um, yeah, I think like everybody definitely not, um, you know, without impact this year, this year has been very difficult for everybody. Um, and, but I think we've been able to, I think it also shows a lot about the human spirit and like what we can adapt to, um, you know, even just seeing some of these small businesses and how creative and uh, passionate they are and they keep coming up with new solutions. Like I've been completely inspired and 
you know, look, we've actually been able to adapt at home too. So we've been able to figure out our lifestyle here and how we can cultivate like not only a good home environment place that our kids can thrive even in these weird times. So I'm feeling pretty good at the moment. Um, you know, the world's a mess, but, uh, it, you know, I, I think we're, we're able to find some, some calm in the midst of that storm. Very cool. Well, I, uh, I always like to start the conversation by just reflecting on how we got to know each other, actually, um, which is always weird because it's like watching a slow motion but painful movie, you know? <laughs> it's like, oh, my gosh, that happened? <laughs> um, but no, man, listen, I think the world of you, and I think you, here. and I think you know why. It's because when we met, and, you know, on many occasions, but I will tell you, vividly the first time i met you of course was on one of those trips to park city at some point you know and we were you know we were on the slopes and i really enjoyed all that but then afterwards we started to talk about some passion points that i have around inclusivity in our mm -hmm. world um not only from a racial and ethnic perspective but i think from an idea perspective and you know we really dug into that a bit and you shared a lot with me about your common interests and in bringing mm -hmm. people together. And also you said something to me and I want to put it on record before it became a cool thing for people to say. And that's why I started to like really love you and respect you was you started to recognize this concept of like you being a privileged white man early out. And this wasn't the trendy thing to say, you know, and, and I just remember thinking, man, this guy really understands himself in this space in the world. And I know you spend a lot of time trying to bring productivity and positivity into our environment. And so that's what has brought us together. And it's a big reason why I invited you to join. So thank you for just a being a good person and B being someone that I consider a great and a dear friend. So thank you so much, man. Seriously. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I really value our friendship and I love, like, I, I still think a lot about our conversation uh, when we met. And, and it's interesting, man, it's unfortunate in some ways, but I think a lot of the, a lot of the fun of what we do in general is, right, how do we, how do we solve big problems? How do we be honest about the challenges that are in front of us? And if we're not trying to solve those things, then what are we really spending our time on? I think as we were talking about some of those big challenges, unfortunately, uh, there, you know, a lot of those challenges are really showing themselves in the past year, whether it's um, around privilege, whether it's around um, race, but we also talked a lot about folks being, you know, feeling like they're being left behind. And yes. this idea of like, as industries continue to move, as more automation happens, how do you, how do you, if, if you're not able to really deal with a lot of this unfortunate resentment that builds up, and you have, like, if you're not able to deal with some of those issues, and then you have these big economic issues that face the country and face individuals in their houses, in their, in their households, like how, 
we're kind of leading into a really difficult time. And I think you're, you're starting to see that unfortunately play out. I, I think we, what we were talking about still ends up being an issue today. Like how do we solve some of these challenges of dislocations of jobs, retraining and things like that. And right. ultimately, like if we aren't focused on some of these big issues, then we're, we're probably not spending our time in the right way. And, and so I think we connected over that idea of like, we need to be, ideally focused on things that matter. Um, how do we use not only my, I, I think about a lot, like not only my privilege as a white male, but also my privilege from an economic, from an economic perspective and from a, um, you know, I, th I think, uh, I guess title and job perspective to be able to use my influence and power to, to try to solve big challenges. And I think, we all need to try to do that in, in, in a more consistent way if possible. Well, you're, you're doing a great job of it, but I want to understand where this mindset came from. So I'd, I'd, I'd love to start with, tell me a little bit about your upbringing, Dave. Tell me a little bit about what has sort of inspired you to bring this perspective into the world. You know, where did you grow up? Who are some of your inspirations? You know, tell me a little bit about some of those early days, my friend. Yeah, I, so I grew up in uh, the outskirts of Los Angeles, a town called Oak Park. Uh, both my parents were school teachers, um, elementary school teachers. And, um, you know, I, I, I grew up in a house that, a Jewish household where, you know, I think a lot of, the anxiety um, that gets passed down through generations um, was a big focus. And I think that is true of a lot of Jewish households, but you know, a lot of the framing for me was very heavily focused on like, um, you know, discussion around how humanity can be great, but it can also be incredibly destructive and that you can't let you can't let any marginalized group uh, well you can't let any group be marginalized uh, because if you do, then you're kind of opening that up for much broader issues. And I think you know from early, I think it was kind of ingrained into me that like some of the lessons from, the Holocaust and, and things like that, like I, are important to remember, but not just for how that relates to you, but if you're not standing up for other people, if you're not looking at our broad, broader society as a whole and, and seeing, seeing yourself as a part of the human race, then like, then you're gonna perpetuate more, more issues of racial injustice, of religious injustice, um, and that, that's a, a problem. So that, that was something that was always like present for me. Um, but then I would say like gr growing up, like, I think my, as far as, um, inspirations go, like, interestingly, I'd say people I looked up to from a professional setting were, I think at the time, what I identified as like what it meant to be a successful 
to be, to be successful in our society, which was mainly focused on people who are in the stock market or things like that. So I had an uncle who was very successful in the stock market. And I kind of always thought that that's what I wanted to do. Mm. Um, went to school, focused on, you know, majored in math and economics and was very focused. I'm like, I'm going to do that whole investment banking track. And I think like people I looked up at, look, looked up to growing up from a professional perspective were very much like the Warren Buffett type people and, and, and folks that were able to, you know, really figure out that financial system well. But then when I got through school and actually into work in that space, I realized really quickly that that was not something I wanted to do at all. Mm. Um, it wasn't mm. rewarding. It was so much about tearing things down and not actually building um, that I, I actually you know, quickly realized that that was not the direction I wanted to go. So I think where I, where I came from, at least from a, a uh, who I was looking up to at the time, that's actually far away from where I've, I've landed. I, I think so just a little, uh, I guess that's kind of how I think about it today. Well, tell me, tell me about the turn. Tell me about the turn and I'll help. I want to share a little bit about my sort of converse of early inspiration as a young person. You know, when I was growing up, Dave, I, I had a very good upbringing. And so I always disappoint people because I go, whatever tragic story you think you're going to hear from a, a person of color, I, I just didn't have that life. You know, my, my, I had a great two parent household and my parents were great and we didn't have all the things we wanted, but we absolutely had everything that we needed, you know? Yep. And so for me growing up, it was weird. It was like my idea of success was actually driven by things I saw on television, you know, was, you know, I'd watch the Huxtables, you know, Bill Cosby mm -hmm. and that whole world before he begat, before he became super weird, or at least before we knew he was weird. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, you know, I, I would watch those family settings and think, man, it'd be nice to have a life like that, you know? And so it wasn't until I became older and I started to be exposed to, you know, people of different backgrounds and different economic scenarios that I started to form an idea of, oh, hmm, maybe this is what I want to do, you know? So I almost feel like for me, high school and college, that was a time where I actually exited the prototypical, like, young Black person life, you know, and went to this high school where, Dave, I literally was like, one of two black people at the whole school like that how that's wow. how it was. seriously my friend wow um and then a college where it wasn't that different and so i started to really kind of come into this space of experiencing different people and that shaped uh a different view on what i wanted to be and and how i wanted to contribute so i guess i wanted to ask you a similar question with you growing up and the influences that you had what do you think contributed to you kind of having much more of a holistic look at who you wanted to be? Because it, it doesn't sound like that was part of the early foundation. 
Yeah, I mean, look, I think it was a lot to do with my dad, actually. I mean, I think he, I always saw him as somebody that stood up for anybody. He stood up for people all the time. Like, I think that was just his mentality. And when I looked at like what a good human being is, like, I think he was always, he was always kind of fighting for the people who were, at a disadvantage, whether it was like, even like as, as, as simple of a thing as like in the sport, when you, anytime there's a sporting event on, whoever the team was that wasn't supposed to win, always rooting for that team. Like whatever the, the kid was that was struggling the most in his class, like that was always the kid he was like working with the most. So like, I think it, it got ingrained to me early on. And, it, and also I, similarly, like through, you know, I'm, I'm someone that, that eats up uh books and movies and shows and like a lot of that ends up the media that I consume does like change the view of the world for me and I always did want to be someone that was fighting for um the little little guy or you know I think that was something that was ingrained me early on and I, I think it's still very true for me today um and so, yeah, I just think that was something that was really important for me early, yeah. early days. Talk to me a little bit about Dave Levy in 2020 and 21. I mean, we are in an interesting moment. We are yeah. now. And I choose my words carefully because there's so much going on that how you interpret it may be wildly different than anyone else. And so... I love to hear about how you have actually been affected by a lot of what we've experienced during, let's just say the, the pandemic period. I, I love to hear how this has sort of impacted your framework and approach to, to your relationships and also life in general. Yeah. I mean, it is an incredibly challenging time. Um, but I, I do think out of, any adversity you you end up coming out the other side changed and generally better for it if it, and and so you know look i've been trying to use this time um to reflect on the values that i like hold and how i uh, treat other people how i treat myself um and, and try to do better. I think the biggest thing for me during this pandemic was trying to regain a little bit of a balance. Um, so personally, it's really been about balance. I think mm. pre-pandemic, I was very, if I thought about like the buckets that fill me up, mm. um, I was very focused on the mental bucket, mm. right? And I wasn't really focusing on the spiritual bucket. I wasn't really focusing on the physical bucket as well, a little bit, but not as much. Um, and I wasn't really focused on the emotional bucket for sure. And so I think I've really got into a good groove, um, and pattern of giving myself the time and space to fill up all those buckets evenly. And with that, I think I've become a better husband, a better uh, father. Um, and so I'm really grateful for that. I, this time is also you know, I think it's, it's challenging. It's certainly been incredibly challenging to 
just watch and read and consume the news and, and all the things that are kind of going on in the world. Um, and realize that while I knew all the challenges that existed, I think that the scariest thing for me is realizing the stark divide that exists just from an information perspective mm. and, and a mm. willingness to actually empathize with each other. Mm. Um, you know, I think it, so I, I think in, in one hand, I think it's been a great time to work on better balance for myself. I think it's also my outlook on, um, my outlook on the world is a little bit, unfortunately, I think changed. And, and that while I'm hopeful, um, you know, I think it's going to be a very difficult path given where we are as a society to all have the same set and agree on the same set of truths. You know, what is, what is real, what is not real. Um, and to all just try to be a little bit more kind and empathetic to each other. And that, and that seems like a really simple thing that we could do, but you know, day in and day out, it doesn't really feel like we're stepping closer to that. And it's uh, of, of people who like to look and identify challenges and try to find solutions for them. That's definitely a challenge that I don't have a good solution for at the moment. Um, so I think it's it's frustrating to see. And, you know, someone as a, as a parent, like, it's just someone I, I, I want more. I, I think I'm left wanting a lot more out of our society than what we're giving back at the moment. I agree. I agree. I hear this word or hear this saying all the time, Dave, let's get back to normal. And in my mind, I'm going, well, what normal are you talking about? <laughs> I go, my, my normal right. uh, before all this, and I love your three buckets. I love the three buckets of thinking about your spiritual well-being your mental well-being and your physical well-being. And Dave, I'll tell you, man, whatever normal was, uh, my physical well-being was probably a little bit better. So that one I was checking the box on, not as much as I am today. Um, but my spiritual bucket was not where it needed to be. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. I would say, now let me categorize. When I say my my mental bucket, my mental bucket in my world, um, I'll share what I think I don't want to go back to my mental bucket was, uh, and it's, oh man, I'm almost embarrassed to say it, but that's the whole purpose of this podcast. My mental bucket was I go to work as long and as hard as I possibly can and everything else comes second. Like that, that was like my mental yeah. space. And that was actually bringing me Same. for some weird, crazy ass reason I got caught in the trap of like, that was fulfilling for some re weird reason. Like if I wasn't on a plane every three days, you know, or if I wasn't in, you know, going to bed at 10 o'clock at night with the computer on my lap, I, you know, I, it felt like a failed day. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and I, I put that in the mental category because it was literally eating up mental capacity I could have for my wife, for my children, for, Listen, you and I, we talk a lot about stuff that we read. We share podcasts with each other all the time. And but it was taking up space for me to just literally understand what was going on in the rest of the freaking world. You know what I'm saying? And so 
I'm trying to imagine what this looks like whenever we start to see the new day, because I don't want to call it returning to normal day because I don't want to go back to what that shit was. So yeah, same. I, I've been asking all of my friends and people that I value, how have you imagined what the new day looks like? How should we be thinking about reimagining ourselves? Because I don't think any of us want to go back to a full suite of what we were managing and dealing with before. No, no. And I, I know I'm not going to. I, I mean, I think it this has given me a lot of perspective on what I thought I needed versus what I actually need from a, a more balanced version of myself. And I think a lot of that focus on the mental bucket for me was because I felt confident and comfortable there. I felt um, like I, I, I probably a lot of it was ego that I felt like I was good in that bucket. Like I, I, I can focus on this. It's like, yeah, even when I'm home, I'll listen to podcasts that really me- like stimulate me mentally because like I feel comfortable in that pocket. But so I actually had four. My, my, my fourth one was emotional. Mm. I, I mean, I, I think the mental and physical buckets I, I, I was always comfortable in, but the spiritual and emotional probably not. Yeah. And by really focusing and spending time on those as well, I think that's enabled me to be more present. That's enabled me to be more comfortable in different spaces and di- like, and, and also be a little bit more empathetic to what other people need at that moment in time. And generally this moment, it's just my pod and my family, but I'm hoping that transcends when we actually get to see friends in person again. Um, but yeah, I'm, I, I hope not to go back either for sure. Um, that's uh, that will be a goal. We'll see if I actually achieve that too, but that's, that is definitely the goal at the moment. Tell me a little bit about something that I value from you because you inspire me as, and you'll probably laugh because we always doubt ourselves, but I think you're a great father. I think you're a great dad. And I know that you love your family. And as I ask this question, I want to share a little bit about why I'm asking it. So yeah, I don't know if I've shared this story, but so for me, my household is a biracial household. And then I've got my two children, you know, and Dave, man, I had this really interesting day where, so we spent a lot of our time this summer in Michigan. So like Michigan for people that live in Chicago was kind of like, uh, like going to Long Island or something. If you live in New York, yeah, it's like your little vacation hub. So we spent a lot of time there. There's a college town and there's a college in the town that we were in. And right at the beginning of the school year, there was this big, big, uh, like black lives matter, uh, rally or something, but, but this isn't going down a racial route. It's not the idea, but that's what was going on. And then my kids are eight and four. And my son, he asked me, what does Black Lives Matter mean? And up until this point, I hadn't really thought about like explaining this concept of like, uh, like which some people will listen and they'll judge me for not thinking of this early. But I hadn't really thought of this concept of like explaining to an eight year old 
the dynamics of like race in America. It <laughs> just like it, it hadn't like really like come to me yet, you know? And long story short, I've been having these experiences with my kids where because we're so close, I'm finding that I'm almost accelerating their exposure to the world, you know, because we're always talking. I'm being challenged with my own beliefs and I'm always battling, Dave, like I don't want them to be the kid that believes something because I said that's what you're supposed to believe. Mm -hmm. you, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so it's really been a tug and pull for me developing as a father in this time of I can't shut things down. I can't hide stuff from my kids. But right. I also can't be the evil that I'm fighting against, which is instilling these theories into my children either. So I lay all that out because I, I'm just curious for you, your journey doesn't need to be mine. That, that's not the point. Right. I'm just asking, how has this time period maybe affected the way that you have been engaging with this concept of, of like parenting, man? Yeah, I mean, it's a really good question. Um, and I don't know if we really, you know, my wife and I also biracial um, household, if we, we we never really discussed how we were going to talk about difficult issues with with folks or with our kids, um, and you know I think especially in this year um, when there are so many difficult questions that you really think about, like are, is this our, our kids are five and three um, ready to have this conversation, or what level of information can we give that's like useful? And without, like you said, like co like coloring the, the context for them and, and not letting them fill in the, the gaps themselves. Um, we've kind of shied towards brutal honesty at the moment because I think we don't really know exactly what um, the right way to communicate things are. And so I think we've been left with, there's a lot of difficult conversations from the uh, from the Black Lives Matter movement to uh, the protests at the at the Capitol to um, you know we just had a, a conversation uh, with our son uh, like two days ago about um, you know what being what what it, what it means to be uh, gay and we're trying he he heard that word and he was like what 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 does that mean. Mm. Um, and, and I think, <laughs> I don't think, I don't have the answer. I, I, I think we just try to be honest and I think we're, we might give them too, we shy on the too much information, um, front at the moment. Um, and we let, and we're hoping that that's not a bad decision. Uh, I don't know if we, we, we know, but <laughs> we're at the moment, we're kind of just, um, we are probably uh, we're just being honest as we when we're treating them like uh, and trying to give them the respect that it, at least being truthful and not trying to give our opinions on things, but um, also not trying to play down something either. I mean, I, I don't think uh, that's probably, that's not really useful. I think we want to give them the real truth on stuff and, and let them kind of, 
um, figure out more later. Fair, fair, good. And it's yeah. a good, it's a good growth into the acceptance of failure per se. We're not going to always get this stuff right, you know? And so when I look at you, Dave, and others look at you in the industry, they don't know the full story of your development as a human and everything looks like success, success, success. It's always been winning, you know? And I always like to ask my friends in this conversation, how do you think about the word failure? You know, how does that play a role in how you approach life? And, and if you have a particular story in which you feel like a moment of failure how you describe it, Dave. I'm not talking about what other people think is failure. That's not the idea. This isn't, it's not a judgment question. It's about a moment or an experience or a reflection in your headspace when you think about this was a transformative area in which I didn't deliver what I intended for myself. And then how did you respond to that to start to grow and develop and excel in the life that you bring into your yeah. environment today. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a good question. I think um, I think early on, whether it was like in school or whether it was like some jobs out of college, um, I really thought about that idea of success or failure being this black and white concept as far as like you do a bunch of work, you'd either do a test or a do a presentation or, you know, go pitch a client and you'd either have, you either be, either succeed or you'd fail. And I would put a lot of pressure on myself to work hard ahead of time. And then I put a lot of value on that success component. I think, um, I don't know where this triggered for me, but at some point I realized that uh, much like people, I think the, the reality is that it's a lot more gray than that. And it's not, you, you're never either, to, you never have a total failure or total success. I think the way that I've evolved my way I approach my professional life or really any challenge is like, it's a completely fluid situation. If you get, if there's a challenge in front of you, that just gives you the opportunity to, you know, figure out how to have a unique solution to it. And I think that I've really found my own work groove and, and my success in never really thinking about things as like either successes or failures and really just as uh, opportunities to build more or build on top of something or figure out how to solve for a certain challenge that's in front of you. So I, I, I don't know if that completely answers your question, but I, I don't really think about things anymore as like that final, I guess. It's always an iterative process for me. And um, I found a lot of uh, success, I guess, or well, not success, <laughs> I found a lot of uh, value, growth value from that. I think you're able to grow if you continue to have this mindset of being agile and being like, making sure that you understand what either customer needs are or human relationship needs are, and what you're lacking in the ability to deliver that at the moment. How do you 
how do you help solve that? How do you bring that? How do you, you know, uh, help fix that gap? So I think that's, that's how I approach it. I love it. I love it. You, folks won't see the video of this, but I've been smiling the whole time because <laughs> it is, is trial and error. Was, I'm trying to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's trial and error. Like once I figured that part out that it's like, it's never like a final thing. Like then anytime there's a, there's a new hurdle in front of you, instead of just being overwhelmed with anxiety of, can I get over this? Yes. It's just like, Oh yeah, of course, of course. Well, you've been here before you can figure this out. Like, how do we, how do you solve it versus, or how do you get around that versus, you know, this is a complete wall in your way. And, and one of the reasons I asked the question, Dave, is I think a lot of people in this moment, they, some are taking advantage of this and they're trying new things and, you know, they're risking, you know, comfort, I guess they're risking comfort to actually grow. But there's another faction that are stuck. Like, this is so bad that I don't want right. to actually ruin what I have. And so there's right. some missed opportunities in, in, in trialing and in, in being uncomfortable and, and, and actually embracing the concept that you might not always get it right. But on the other side of it, Dave, I also take you as someone that knows how to spot good opportunities. And so I wanted to ask you, not to share the special sauce, but when you do look to analyze, is this a great opportunity? Is this a great use of my time? Is this a great space to be in? I love to just kind of walk through a little bit of your own evaluation process. How do you sort of look at the elements around you to determine, is this actually going to give me ROI on my yeah, life, yeah. my life values. Does that does that yeah. make sense, friend? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, and I think I almost go back to those buckets in a way, but 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 in a different framing for them. So I think the way I generally look at new opportunities or how I want to spend my time is one: is it on a a challenge or problem that I'm really passionate about that I um, will get excited to wake up in the morning and work on um that i think is important uh, so that's one for sure i mean it has to have um you have to be passionate about it uh, but i think the second one for me would be um does it require a team that i would want to work with um i think probably one of the most important things and most valuable things i get out of uh solving problems is doing it with people that I really respect and, um, and that I really enjoy being around that I'm challenged by. And so I, I, I like to work on problems with people that, um, I want to be around and that are, that add value to my other individual buckets that aren't like taking things away. So I think, um, the second thing for me is like, is this something that with, uh, that I think would require a group of people that I want to be around. Um, and then the third one, I guess, would probably be just do I, like, based off my personal experiences and, like, what I can bring to the table, is there something that I think I can uniquely bring to this challenge or problem with this group, of, with this unique group of people that will be, 
that's something new or different. I mean, I would love, love, love to be working on, um, you know, healthcare right now and, and like solving vaccine distribution and things like that. I personally probably don't have the skill set to, to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, while I'm passionate about it, and like I read and listen to a ton of podcasts and dig into the data, um, am I the person to solve that? Probably not. So I think that third one is just like, is it, is there a crossover with my skill set and like, what, what do I have to give? So I, I generally kind of look at those three things. Fair, fair. Um, oh, there's so much, I want an entire podcast just on that, but then I'd give, it, <laughs> then I, then I'd give the world all of your secrets and that's not fair, okay. uh, but that's good. Um, with the time we have left, I, I want to pick your brain on just a couple more questions. Um, you know, the first for me is it's actually super tactical because you enlightened me to uh, Invisibilia, a great podcast, um, at least season one and two. They started getting a little weaker at the end. Um, no okay. judgment, no judgment. Um, and when I started listening to that podcast, per your recommendation, it started to bring out different inspirations to how I looked at the world. So this is a question that's quite tactical, which is what is inspiring you today, whether it's something that you are starting to trial from a health perspective, if it's mm. something that maybe you're reading, something you're, you're, you're watching, it, what, any abstract concept, I'm curious about what's inspiring. And here's why I ask it. The reason why I ask it in this context is because they've we don't get the serendipity of running into our friends in a hallway or on a street to find that inspiration like we used to. So right. it's actually now a task to find things, right. to like get the juices yeah. flowing. So I'm, I'm curious about where you're finding some of that in these times. It's a good question. Um, I, I think I do find myself a little bit too glued to like the daily news kind of recurring media that isn't incredibly inspirational, but is like more informative uh, in this immediate like time. I, I, I take a lot of time with the daily and like other uh, stuff like that. I would say though, from an inspiration perspective at the moment, um, I'm getting a lot of inspiration from Obama's new book. Um, you know, I think not only is it really interesting to kind of think about some of the, the broader challenges that we face as a nation, but just his approach to leadership, um, I, I find really interesting and inspiring and like how we kind of put together, um, you know, a team that could be successful, how we solve different challenges. So I, I get a lot of inspiration from that. Um, you know, beyond that, I would say favorite movie is Arrival thing I got away from that one would be like, you can't step away from the hardest moments in life or the most difficult things because that's what ends up shaping who you are. And if you aren't put through adversity, if you don't, like, if you don't go through the, the most difficult things, then you're not going to end up becoming who you need to be for this world and space. So I, I, that's the movie I really connect. That's one movie I really connect with show wise. I guess I would go with like halt and catch fire. Have you ever seen that one? 
Yes, we share we. We may we be that one we may be one of the one hundred thousand. The people only people that watched, that it. watched it. <laughs> but it's so oh, good. Yeah. So I mean, good. I, I love that one, and, and and it really being like to me a lot of the, like resonating around it really being about the people that you surround yourself with in that journey. Um, and and I take that away. So yeah, I I could go on forever. I could give you a ton of different different ones, but. But those are just top of mind at the moment. Fair, man. Well, listen, the last thing I'll ask uh, is if you were to reflect and, um, you know, you imagine a placard that described your mantra, the words that you live by, what would that sound like? I can tell you, like, what I want to pass down to my kids. Um from how I think that they should live their life. And I think just a simple, honestly, just a simple thing we all need right now as a country is just taking the, the simple time to respect everybody and start with kindness, lead with kindness, and be empathetic to different people. I think if we just took more of an opportunity to try to understand people versus react, we would all be better off. Um, but but I do think it kind of starts with like, regardless of from what station someone comes from, or who they are, like treat everybody with respect. You never know like what lesson you might be able to learn from somebody or what um, relationship you might be able to create or what space you might be able to build. Um, don't take anyone for granted. And I think we all do that a little bit too much. Um, I, I heard advice one time that was like, you, you can, you, you can learn the most valuable lesson. You can learn a valuable lesson from every, anybody you meet, any, you know, any experience that you have. And so if you shy away from even the most difficult conversations, you're, you're depriving yourself of a chance to learn and grow. And so I think it's really comes down to that. It's like giving your, giving everyone that opportunity to, um, just giving everyone that an opportunity to, to know you and, and for you to be kind to them and be empathetic to what, where they come from and who they are.